From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's Are You Not Entertained? Now here's your host, Ed Nathanson. Hello, hello, shalom, bonjour. <laughs> Whatever language you speak, I'm here, I'm talking to you, I'm candy to your ears. <laughs> what I'm about to do today is something that I've been thinking about a long time, which is I've always loved podcasts, but a lot of them only touch on little bits and parts of what I like. And so this, being my podcast, is all around things that I like to talk about it. You don't like it? Too bad. Get out of here. If you do, buckle up. We're going to have some fun. <laughs> So this is really all about different things that I care about, movies, music, pop culture, rants. I love to get upset. You know, Ed's getting upset. You're going to hear all about those things. But more importantly, I'll also be sharing some things about what I do in my business, but that's not what I'm going to bore you to death with either. This is going to be fun. So let's have a good time. Let's get right into it. Each podcast, I'm going to have separate little segments of things that I want to talk about. And the first one is, much like the name of the podcast itself is, Was I Entertained? Are you not, are you not, are you not entertained? Now, the review system is not your Siskel and Ebert thumbs up, thumbs down crap. It's not the two out of five star BS you see in all the newspapers or everything else that everybody else does. I'm going to go to two poets of our time. Two people who stand out as cultural and musical icons who literally changed the scope of the world with their music, Ted Theodore Logan and Bill S. Preston. And that round of applause is, is really well-deserved. Thank you to my intrepid producer, Zoo. Uh, that's what I call him, at least. Um, yep. Pleasure to be here, my friend. Oh, well, I'm so happy to have you. So with that in mind, it's going to be a rating system of... Excellent! Or... Bogus. And it's really that simple. Was it excellent or was it bogus? bogus. Yes. All right. This podcast, I'm talking about a movie I saw in the theaters and something that I've watched on Netflix. First, let's go to the theaters. And in the theaters now is the movie Glass. Glass is the third in the trilogy that started 18 plus years ago with the movie Unbreakable by M. Night Shyamalan, which if you haven't seen it, is fucking awesome. It's Bruce Willis discovering he has superpowers from the evil diabolical Samuel L. Jackson as Mr. Glass. Now this movie set up a whole universe where they basically set up the lexicon that comics are the basis of reality. Now, yes, no people have you know lasers shooting out of their eyes like Superman, although I wish that I had that every birthday, and I'm not kidding. That's what I wish on my birthday cake for. But they don't have those. What they are is more realistic version of superpowers. And you learn throughout the story that Bruce Willis has super strength, and the counter to him is Mr. Glass, who has a disease where his bones break, but he is also super smart. Incredible evil genius, if you will. Now, flash forward to about six years ago, a movie by M. Not Shyamalan with another real series of misses in between, although I don't necessarily agree with that, but the box office did. He came out with a movie called Split. Now, Split. That was six years ago? That was six years ago. Oh, my ago. God. Yes, yes. So I saw that one, yeah. yeah. Go, please yeah, go yeah. on. I'm learning. Yeah, so, so this movie was, no one even knew it was related to Unbreakable when it came out. And M. Night Shyamalan, if you're not a fan of his films, always gets you with that zinger at the end, that twist ending. Whether it's, you know, Bruce Willis was the ghost, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. 
you know, to to the plants actually are killing everybody, which was one of the worst movies that he did. <laughs> but in between, there's always that twist. So in the end of Split, which was basically about a, a multi-personality madman who kidnapped these girls and was killing them, we find out at the end that he also, this person, has a, has a personality called the Beast. And this Beast has the ability to basically climb walls and be super strong like Bruce Willis. But again, no relation until the very last scene of the movie. You see our man, Bruce Willis's character, David Dunn, sitting in a bar watching a news report about this evil character. And you realize, oh my shit, these, yeah, these things are connected. This is a freaking sequel. And now, since that, yes. It's almost like that music played in my brain. <laughs> so, as that happened, you then, we knew something was coming. You can't just put that dangle out to us, especially since Split was a huge hit, box office worldwide. So flash forward now, several years later, six years later, now this year, I have been, you know, biting my nails, you know, sanding them, whatever you call it, to get to this movie, Glass. Glass, if you're not familiar, puts our evil genius, Mr. Glass, Samuel L. Jackson, our superhero, David Dunn, as you know, as by Bruce Willis and James McAvoy's brilliant presentation of the Horde. The Horde is that character from Split, who basically the being called the Horde is because there are several personalities in there. One of them being the the Beast, which has that power. Now, oh, Eddie, it, pardon me. Yeah. So Samuel L. wasn't in the second one. He was not. Right. He so was I, not. So I saw. So they're bringing him back, and uh, Bruce only had like a cameo. Bruce had a cameo at the end, right. which was like the holy crap moment that tied it to. Unbreakable, which many people consider, right. by the way, I don't know if you've seen it, but many people consider Unbreakable like one of the best superhero movies ever. I, I confess I haven't seen it. I yeah. saw the second one, and what you said rang true. That one at Split can stand alone because, yes. I, it, and you don't the, you don't realize he's a monster, a uh, uh, supernatural monster until the very end it's just a really cool gripping like multiple personality movie and an right? excellent yeah. acting performance oh, he's too. The, he's money did you he, see him on snl oh my god yeah so the good guy's man, well he's also professor x so you know again all hail james mcavoy nerd, nerd alert yes exactly <laughs> and i own that loud and proud all right so now in glass the movie begins with our hero david dunn hunting the beast now with his son from unbreakable as his alfred so to speak guiding him through the streets to find this beast. And you finally get to see David Dunn use some of these gnarly powers that he has. But again, you know, based in realism. Look, I love Avengers. I love Superman. I love Batman. But let's be honest. Those are, you know, unrealistic situations. This, while superpowers, is based in some realism. Now, they have this battle. Ed, as you're setting it yeah. up, I'm sorry to interrupt, but um, I've got the trailer locked and loaded here. You want to yeah, take a quick Yeah, fire lesson? it away. All Excellent. Right. Here we go. Glass. Elijah has changed over the years. He's given up. We see the Samuel Jackson character sitting alone in a sanitarium or something, right? Yep. With this mysterious psychologist talking to him. You won't be lonely anymore. You have two new friends. So we see Bruce Willis is in there too in the yeah. mental hospital. Yeah. Extraordinary gifts like something out of a comic book. I've developed an effective treatment for this disorder. The light will force a different identity to take over. Por favor, senora. Now want my headphones back. Step away from the controls now, little. Back to boy, master performance. 
So you're not going to shake my hand and let me walk out of here. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Is that enough? Of it? I yes. get the flavor. Yes. That's what's her name from American Horror Story. That's what, right. Uh, Marsha Clark. Sarah I forget Paulson. her name. Sarah, Sarah Paulson. Paulson. Yes. Thank but you, she producer Carrie. awesome Kerry. in American Crime Story as, as her. Right. So... Now, what ends up happening is, is the police catch the two of them and put them in a mental asylum with Mr. Glass, who's been there as he was persecuted at the end of Unbreakable. So the three of them are together now, and this woman, this mysterious Sarah Paulson character, comes in Mm -hmm. talking to them about how they have a mental disability, that their belief that they have superpowers is actually a disease that some people have around the world. Mm -hmm. And so with that, she's trying to convince them that it's not real, that all of this is fake. And so at the interim though, Mr. Glass is basically comatose. They've been drugging him over and over and over again. Now, I'm not gonna spoil the movie beyond that, except to say that the first two acts of this movie, from the David Dunn on the streets to the mental asylum scenes were Fucking awesome. And yes, they deserve that swear. Now, because you get to see not only them doing things that we've always wanted to see these characters do, but the but the mental side, the, the deep character exploration of these people and what they're doing, along with the manipulation that's being done by the hospital, by this mysterious doctor, really, really cool. So that's cl- it's clear from the outset that the superpowers are real because I could see uh, M. Night pulling a fast one where he has it's not like he has the viewers wondering whether they're real does it no okay so even in unbreakable you see they're real david dunn can touch people right. and see if they've done something bad you see the, the limits of his strength they literally can't put enough right. weight on that bar on the bench for him to lift right yeah. And so, and so, but does the Sarah Paulson character truly believe it's in their heads, or she's, or no? So that's part of the twist. Uh, okay, that's right, part so of the twist that I, yeah, that, that I don't right. want to spoil. But great question. Yeah. So the third act then devolves into yes, you do get to see the beast. This is not a spoiler. You've seen it in the previews. You do get to see the beast versus David Dunn with Mister Glass doing his evil diabolical stuff. Now the critics have shit all over this movie, <laughs> and. This is example number 10,672, why I hate movie critics. They don't speak for the fans. They really don't. They're sitting there and they're looking at a, at a pure aesthetics or visuals or cinematography or deep things and, and forgetting the fact that the baseline of all of this is, am I entertained? Yes, that's the question. And was I entertained is something... Yes, again and again. And the reason for that is that critics don't care about that. They care about the things that they're taught to care about. When as an audience member, all I care about is was it fun? Was it entertaining? Did it make me say, oh my God? You know, all of those things. So 36% on Rotten Tomatoes with the critics, which is pretty miserable. Do you want to guess what the audience score is on Rotten I'm going to say 68. 75. 75. Wow. So uh, I'm not good at math, but I believe that's twice what the critics thought, which is, that's a huge spread. So that that proves your point. Exactly. Exactly. So my advice to you is... This movie's awesome. The twist ending, there's no surprise. If it's a if it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie, there's a twist, is excellent. The whole things start to make sense. And at the end, again, no spoilers, it builds potential for an even bigger universe, which makes the nerd in me go, that's my nerd, that's my nerd goosebumps sound, if you're not familiar with what that is. All right. That's the movie. Therefore, your and verdict. therefore, my verdict for glass is excellent. Most excellent indeed. 
Okay, now, moving on. I also said, I'm going to also go to Netflix. Everyone's on Netflix today's, as is, is your boy right here. I'm on there all the time. Love Netflix. And when that sound comes on, yep. Oh, the nerdgasm. We're, contra- okay, we're yes. contractually obligated to play the sound every time you say Netflix. Oh, my God. I, don't say Netflix. Oh, my God. Right. Oh, my right. God. Yes. Okay. So, on Netflix, there's a new movie called Polar. Now, if you haven't seen this, as you're scrolling through the menu, you need to find this movie stat. What I will say to you before I get into Polar and what's it about, if you love John Wick, you will love, love, love this movie. And if you don't love John Wick, we can't be friends. And I mean that sincerely. Stop <laughs> listening, turn this off, and say, fuck Ed Nathanson. But if you do, then we love each other, all right? So here we go. Polar stars Mads Mikkelsen. And if you don't know who that is, he is the guy who basically, in Rogue One, created the Death Star. He's an awesome actor. He's an amazing, brilliant performer. He was Hannibal on the Hannibal series on TV. Okay? But this movie, he's John Wick on on a different level. Yes, it's about assassins. It's about the business of being assassins. But it's about this business of assassins where if you reach the age of 50... You have to retire. And all the time as you're working up to age 50, they're paying you pension. So he's due 8 million bucks at the end of retirement. And guess what? They don't want to pay it. Mm -hmm. So what they do with these people when they reach 50 is they send the younger assassins to go kill these people as they get there so they don't pay out. And thus the, the company becomes more profitable and more profitable. So the movie begins with you seeing some of these retiring assassins enjoying their life, but then not so much as they're killed. And what was the movie where, um, oh, damn, it, it was about a hitman. It might have been one of the Bourne movies where, like, the was it the Bourne movie where uh, these two hitmen were comparing notes and saying, do you get headaches? Yeah, I get the headaches, too. Does that sound familiar? Am That's I, Bourne. That was Bourne. That was Bourne, yeah. yes, because yeah. they were on that drugs that was... And the and so it was not the born with Jason with um with Matt Damon though it was the one with Jeremy Renner. Oh, there you go. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Okay, yep. it's coming back to me. That just reminded me of that. Is it weird it, that I knew that immediately? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not surprised at all. But um, not to be confused with the worst movie about hitman camaraderie, which is Gross Point Blank, of course. Yes, but we well, digress. Sorry. But Dan Aykroyd was money in that. Yeah. I will say that. So I've got the polar uh, trailer. Ed, you want to fire let's that up it. now? Yeah, okay. let's hit it. Here we go. So we've got some people in the woods so far. Mm-hmm. I like it here. Vanessa Hudgens from High School Musical, believe it or not. Yikes. You're not from around here. That's Vanessa Hudgens. Yes. What was your job? And from leaked nude pictures. That too. <laughs> As you know, we manage the investments of our employees. Johnny Knoxville with a former agent dies after retirement. Their $8 million goes back to the company. This is a bad idea. Who the hell is he? Somebody set me up over here. You better quit. You have nothing to do with it. Think of a You tried to kill the black kind. All right, good. So you we get, yep, you get, get the point. Yep. The character's name, who is the John Wick of this movie, is 
look at this name, Zoo. Yep. The Black Kaiser. Mm. <laughs> and Mr. Black Kaiser is not to be fucked with. Yeah. Okay? So much like John Wick, he's a nice, normal guy, just wants to live his life in rural woods, in a cabin, not bothering anybody. But you know, I ordered a turkey on Black Kaiser at the deli the other day and <laughs> had no such problems. This is a horse of a different color. Well, Weird Al once asked a very serious question. Mm -hmm. The rye or the Kaiser? It looks like <laughs> he chose right. the Kaiser. That's right. That's okay, right. but now, back to this. So Mr. Black Kaiser, they just couldn't leave well enough alone. They couldn't not try to kill him and just let him be and give him his money. As they say in the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie Last Action Hero, Big mistake. <laughs> Once they try to mess with our boy, it's on like Donkey Kong. And there is a series of awesome violence, killing, badassery that you have not seen in any movie since I mentioned earlier, the great John Wick and John Wick 2. I cannot recommend this movie enough. Mads Mikkelsen kills it. Believe it or not, Vanessa Hudgens is actually decent. There's some great acting all around. The business of assassination is awesome. But more importantly, the Black Kaiser just really kicks major ass. Now, one of the games I play with my 13-year-old son is the who would win. You know, I'm training him to be a great nerd. So we always have these debates. Like, who would win? Superman. Mighty Mouse or Superman? Right, exactly. Well, it Superman. started with yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, it started with that. But it's like <laughs> Superman versus the Hulk. Batman right. versus Iron Man. Whatever, whatever you want to do. We always have these debates. Uh, and immediately after I watch this movie, I he's 13. He probably shouldn't be watching this. But hey, parent your own kid. I'm parenting mine. Okay? So we're doing this. And I'm showing him this movie. And immediately, I'm so proud of him. It was one of those great daddy moments. He turns to me after the movie and said, all right, dad, who would win? The Black Kaiser or John Wick. <laughs> right. And I really had to think about that. I really did because John Wick, I mean, in every movie, he kills minimum of 100, 150 people. Yeah. Black Kaiser did about 200 I, in this movie by himself. Yeah, I think in the second movie, John Wick killed about four dozen people in about 12 seconds. Right, exactly. And with <laughs> a, a pencil. Quick shot. Yeah, with yeah, a yeah, fucking yeah, pencil. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. So. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. I've been thinking about this and wrapping my brain around it. And maybe to my 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 movie, you know, my movie gods in Hollywood, make it happen. Black Kaiser versus John Wick. Mm -hmm. Okay? I want to see that movie. But again, to wrap this segment up, I give Polar a huge Excellent. Wait, that wasn't loud enough. Excellent. All right, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> big time excellent. Most 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 non-heinous. Okay. <laughs> Moving Ed, as a footnote, Ed, before we move yeah. on, um, is this the heyday of assassin movies it sure and TV seems, shows? Yeah, it, you know? it sure seems does like... seem like that. And you know what? Um, in the world we live in today, with everything so politically correct and, and rightfully so in a lot of cases, mm -hmm. and the more conscious we are, this is stuff is just a great release. I don't want to get too philosophical, but yeah. we need some of this in our lives to get that release, that fun. From Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network, it's Two from the Road, featuring comedian Gary Marino and Boston rock legend John Butcher, with war stories from iconic Boston musicians and entertainers. Two from the Road. Make sure to check for new episodes posted at Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. In Pod, we trust. You jump in front of my car when you... My dad wanted me to be a baseball player. So the next segment is going to be about, based on a quote from the movie The Natural. 
And if you have not seen the movie The Natural, it is without question in my top five movies all time. I'm a big baseball dork. I grew up with baseball. My dad and I go in to get baseball card shows. I played it. But the, the Natural is just a classic. And there's a line in there where Roy Hobbs' character, played by Robert Redford, returns after being shot again in the side uh, to the game where no one expected him. And he sees the manager, Pop Fisher, in the locker room. And he says to him, oh, the music just gives me the goosebumps <laughs> right as I hear it. And he says, oh, there it is. Oh, boy. And he says to Pick Pop Fisher, okay. you know, because Pop Fisher's talking about it. Why do I do this? Why was I managing? And he said, well, Roy Hobbs walks in and he says, well, my dad always wanted me to be, be a baseball player. My dad wanted me to be a baseball player. And Pop Fisher says back to him, says, well, I always wanted to be a farmer. And he said, you know, and so Roy Hobbs said, well, again, my dad wanted to be a baseball player. And he said, well, you're the best damn baseball player i ever seen. Now suit up. And I'm paraphrasing. But that whole segment, just again, the, the goosebumps, the hairs on my arms standing up as I see it every time, really is one of those things that gets me thinking about, you know, what I would want to do with my career, right? And it also, more importantly, gets me thinking about sports. And sports for me is, as much as I love movies, as much as I love music, sports is in my blood. I'm not kidding when I say I wake up, I get my coffee, and Nesson, Sports Center, uh, you know, CSN, they're all rotating on my channel with each commercial that passes. I just need to know every morning what's going on in sports. Now, on top of that, for my non-Massachusetts brethren, I am a certified 100% mass hole when it comes to sports. <laughs> so if you don't like Massachusetts sports, I say, do you not like air? Do you not like grass? Do you not like trees? What is wrong with you? Okay, now that we've got that out of the way, a lot of these rants in my dad wanted me to be a baseball player segment will be about sports. And if you're living on another planet, let's start with the obvious. The greatest team in the history of the NFL just won the frickin' Super Bowl for the sixth time. All aboard! <laughs> S-I-X. Six. Six, six, six. Now, let, this, let that sink into you. And for my friends outside of Massachusetts, as the emperor once said, let the hate through you. I eat your hate. I taste it. I drink your hate with ice cubes of your tears in there to make it extra, extra salty. Delicious. So I see my intrepid producer, Zoo, pulling yes, up Max Kellerman up here, yeah. the ultimate hater. Let's take a listen to what he said after the Super Bowl. Tom Brady is the greatest of all time because it's like as though Hank Aaron, the home run champ, who did it by hitting 40, 45 home runs a year every year, basically for 20-something years, was managed by, like, Casey Stengel or some great manager for a great team, so he also won a bunch of championships. Tom Brady at various points in his career, looked like the best player in football, here and there. But it wasn't like throughout his whole career we were like, that's the best guy in the league. Many, uh, we, we thought that because he was very, very good in the regular season, and he was not a choker in the postseason, and as his career went along, he right, became Dave, better. Dave, I'm shaking his head. Zoo, so I need you to make this stop right now. So I'm about to commit Jew-on-Jew Jew crime right now. I really am. And I hate to do this to a fellow member of the tribe, but fuck you, Max Kellerman. <laughs> Okay, this guy, and yes, I watch the show, 
because Stephen A cracks me up. But I watch in mm. spite of this ass clown right So here. for those that might not know, give the brief history of Kellerman and thoughts on right. Brady. So three years ago now, was it? Maybe four? Something like that. Yeah. He talked about Tom Brady falling off the cliff. Right, he's going to fall off a cliff. That it was time that he's going to be, a, he, I think his words were exactly, a bum in short order. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so, again, you know, us being the mass holes that we are, we all rallied around, you know, the football Jesus and said, that's not how happening right and we know tom you don't know tom we know tom we love tom and even though he's been in three super bowls since that happened one two of them one an nfl mvp he still a super bowl mvp yeah super bowl mvp too he still can't let go he still refuses to acknowledge that he's the best there ever was that ever will be much like roy hobbs the the person in the segment we're talking about on the natural the best there ever was. And so, you know, people like Max, though, are exemplary of a lot of the hate outside of New England. They just don't get it. And and to so, so Zoo, one of the things I wanted to talk about here, mm. that really about the Super Bowl, yes, they won. Of course they won. They're the Patriots. They win everything. We win it everything. <laughs> we even have the best parades. We have the hottest cheerleaders, the coolest owner. Yeah. Right, whatever we don't win, you know, is someone else's that we just didn't want to win it. Okay. Now, with that back, now going back to the Super Bowl itself, I've heard a lot of this crap about how it was a boring game. Right, yeah. Right. Boring game? Like, what were you watching? It was 3-3 till about seven minutes left. Every single play mattered. Every single play. Now, I understand people want offense. They want scoring. And, yes, we have football Jesus out there that, you know, usually is lighting everybody up. But honestly, like, I, if I had any nails left, I would have bitten my bones how tense that was for me. Well, not everyone in the ma- national media is an a-hole um, and a hater of Boston. Uh, you'll find a brother in arms in Trey Wingo. This is what he had to say. I, I appreciated the brilliance of the coaching, and that was enough for me. Right. What drove me crazy yesterday, including some of our colleagues here, Oh, this game is boring. <laughs> there you go, Ed. <laughs> Entertain oh, yeah. me. Please make me want to watch. Yeah, so much shut up! My man Trey. <laughs> shut up! Exactly. If you don't want to watch, then don't watch. You get it, yeah. Yep, my man Trey. <laughs> so so to that end, to if you said it's boring, I, I would say you just don't like football. Why are you watching the Super Bowl? To see Adam Levine in Maroon 5? Okay, go in the other room. Go with the kids. Okay, go to the kids' table. We want real sports fans at the Super Bowl. Yes, I understand everybody hates the Patriots outside of New England. I also understand those people have no soul and kick kittens and drown puppies. But outside of that, okay, what I'm trying to tell you is if you actually, within a brain outside of your Patriots hate, thought that game was boring, you just don't like football. Period. Well done, Ed. Thank you. Thank you. We want to take a break, Paul? Yes, yes. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back in a moment with more. Are you not entertained? Let me take a minute to tell you about the awesome team and company that's the Boston Podcast Network. I'm new to this myself. I've always been into podcasts, but how would you like your own podcast? Well, the Boston Podcast Network can produce one for you and not just make it okay, but make it freaking epic. Whether you're a lawyer a financial advisor, a business owner like I am, or any kind of professional like I am, well, I wouldn't say professional, but close, you should have your own voice heard through this really exciting medium. 
A good podcast is more powerful than your traditional advertising nowadays. If you're like me, that's all I listen to now. I literally listen to podcasts every day when I'm in my car. If a prospective client hears your podcast through their ears, or their earbuds, I should say, of course, how do you, else do you hear but through your ears, Ed? Then you're already in their head, literally. Pod617.com will help you deliver a message, build relationships, Clients and center of in- centers of influence will be delighted at being a guest on your show. As you've seen on mine, I've had guests. You know, there's been great, great guests on the other shows. It's a great way to highlight clients, too, quite frankly. Go to pod617.com to start planning. And in the meantime, listen to some of the great shows they've already produced. The Irreverent Bitchless Bride podcast, the hilarious show known as Shawshanked, and the wild trip through the paranormal that is Monsterland. And, of course, check out your boy, with Are You Not Entertained, which is the best of all of them, and I'm just saying that because it's mine. But of course, be part of the pod revolution. Be part of that pod revolution. Don't be the last in. Visit pod617.com, and in pod we trust. For our next segment of Are You Not Entertained, this is probably the most special segment to my heart because I love a good rant. I love to get angry. I love getting upset. And to reference the great, the inimitable, George Costanza. George is getting upset! There it is. George is getting upset! Ed's getting upset. That's the name of this segment. And every time we do one of these, (laughs) with all the fanfare, I will be sharing the thing that pisses me. (laughs) Awesome. Love it. Bringing them all up. Yes. Oh, you're doing great. The thing that will piss me off of the moment. Now, this week, it's one that enrages me to the inner core of my soul. I do a lot of travel, and I don't mind business travel. I really don't. I like being in hotels. I do. All of those things. But, but here's the big but, and I'm not talking like Sir Mix-a-Lot. The but is I fucking hate... There it is. I hate hate flying with the power of 10,000 suns. Now, it's not the act of flying, of being in a tin can in the middle of the air that bothers me. It's people. It's people's behaviors when they fly. So if you read my blog, redpilltalent.com, I blog once in a while about these rants. So I'm going to talk through one of my favorite blogs I've ever written, which is the top seven annoying things people do when flying. I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing glue. I did. And the right, I definitely picked the wrong week to stop sniffing glue. Now, with that in mind, I have seven on this list. But for you, my special podcast listeners, I'm giving you an extra one. And this is number eight, and I will count down. So starting with eight, special to the podcast, reason why people suck when flying, is get your shit together when you are in security line. We all know these people. We're sitting there like a sea of cows, waiting to get through, to get to the terminal, to maybe get a bite to eat, kick our feet up, read a book before we get on. But you've got these morons while they're seeing everyone else take off their seatbelt. I'm sorry, take off their belts, take off their shoes. Oh, I don't know, take your laptop out of your bag. They just can't seem to get their little minds around the fact that that's what you need to do to get through the line. No, you can't bring your water through there. 
Yes, you do have to take your iPad out and put it in the little the gray tray. All of these things. If you don't know, ask. But the worst thing you can do is get up to that queue and not be prepared. Ready golf, people. Ready golf. Be ready. Just like if you're playing in a foursome. Be ready when it's your turn. Same thing with the security line. All right. Now. Go ahead. Uh, Frank, will you uh, hold my set of steak knives while we go through security? <laughs> exactly. I want to take those people and strangle the very life out of them. <laughs> But then make them back to life, of course, because I don't want to murder anybody. Now, number seven is called You Will Get a Seat. I promise. We all know the deal. You're at the gate. They start calling out the zones. And here's where it happens. Even though you're zone seven million, they call zone one, and everyone gets up in front of the, in front of the carousel like a freaking sea of zombies saying, must get seat, must get seat. And the people whose actual zone is called can't get through, you idiots, to get to where they need to be because you got to be first to get the seat that newsflash is already your seat. See that number on your ticket? That's not going anywhere. That's yours. So whether you stand up at seven zone 7 million or zone 7A or whatever it is, you will have your seat. I promise. Chill out, sit down, read a book, and wait till it's your damn turn. And then there are the people that will try to play it off if they get called on it. Oh, no, sir. We're only seating uh, zone one. Oh, am I in zone seven? I didn't right, exactly. Right, no, yeah, no. You're an idiot. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to those people. Actually, screw those people. Amen to what you just said. Number six. Farters and coffers who don't cover their mouths <laughs> or be reticent. Yes, exactly. Now, look, I understand. We are human beings. We have to rip farts. We have to burp. It's part of who we are is funny. And I, by the way, I think farts are some of the funniest stuff ever. <laughs> Except when I'm stuck in a, tune, in a tin can 30,000 feet in the air with you sitting next to me, I don't need to smell your bodily functions or hear them. Now, I understand this. Now, well, Ed, what do I have to do? I have to fart. What am I going to do? I have an idea. There's these things called bathrooms where people go and they do their bodily functions in private, in peace. You don't have to gas me like a, a, a person on death row while you're sitting here enjoying your, your, your bread or whatever's on the, the, the headrest in front of you on TV and letting farts go or burping randomly. Like, dude, seriously, we all know when we need to fart. Go to the bathroom. Have fun in there. Let it fly, right? Seriously. <laughs> Just not in my face. I don't want to smell that stuff. I don't need to be a part of it. And everyone on the plane will be happier if you just get up and go to the bathroom and let those babies go. Do Number yeah. five. Hovering over the carousel like zombies that are ravenous for brains. So again, your bag will be there. I promise you. <laughs> Why do you have to edge to get to that very first position right as it comes out of the thing to get it I don't understand. Like, everyone's jockeying. Go ahead. Yeah, these people have very important places to be. They need to get back to their apartment in Medford and eat their cheese doodles, you know? I mean, right, exactly, yeah, you know. exactly. I understand that. We all have places to be. But screw you. Your bag will be there, whether you're at position, pole position or right around the turn, whatever it is. And again, like, we're all there. We're all on the same team. We all want to get our bags. Don't be an a-hole and cross-check people like Cam Neely to get to the front of the line, <laughs> right? And on top of that, again, be, be ready. 
When your bag comes, pick that thing up and move it. If you don't have the, met, the physical capacity to pick up your bag, then don't pack the bag like that in the first place. <laughs> you start hitting people all the time. You're swinging that thing around like a lasso. Reel it together. If you can't pick it up, if you're a little old lady, I feel for you. I really do. Find some person next to you, a man or a woman, who can pick that thing up for you. But be ready, okay? And also, just a little like a side A on this whole rant here. If you're one of those idiots who doesn't know what your bag looks like, die. <laughs> I don't want to be near you, okay? That's the whole thing you do when you're packing your bag. You look at your bag. You say, oh, this is my bag. I know what it is. So when it comes around, instead of asking the seven people you're with, is that my bag? Is that my bag? No, it's not, because you would have known that if you had eyes. <laughs> All right. When, when we were growing up, my dad had a luggage tag, and in big, bold letters, it said, like hell, it's yours. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. All right. Number four. The seatmate chat crew. Okay. Look, ah! yes, oh, yo, yes, yes, a thousand times yes. So look, I am a social person. As anyone who knows me, I like to talk. I'm a friendly guy. I, I may not sound like it right now, but I'm a friendly guy. <laughs> However, there are a few moments in this life where I like to be in my own headspace and not have a conversation. The dentist chair, <laughs> the doctor's office, in the toilet, and on a plane. If you are sitting next to me, that does not give you the right to strike up conversation with me and expect me to be chatting you up for three and a half hours over how long our plane ride is. Especially, take a hint, I'm not gonna be a dick about it. If I have my headset on, or I'm reading a book, or I'm playing a video game, that's a subtle, actually not so subtle clue to shut the hell up. I don't wanna but talk to about you. about me, I hope this hasn't been boring for you. It's just that whenever I start to talk about Lane, I always get so carried away. I lose all track of time. His poor companion killed herself. Right, course. exactly. That'll be me. <laughs> you don't want me to kill it unless you want to. If you want me to kill myself, talk to me the whole time. You know, I've been stuck next to some wonderful people. But the problem is, is that as soon as that door's open, even a crack, well, then you're chatting my brain off for the whole trip. And I'm never going to be a jerk to you and say, would you please shut up? Because I have stuck next to you. Okay, so the here thing is, is be respectable. You could say hi, you know, maybe, hey, I need to get up to go to the bathroom. But beyond that, shut your trap. All right. <laughs> Flash forward listener of this podcast is going to sit down next to you with a plane and turn white as a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Uh, excellent. All right, number three. The chair all the way back, people, mm. in economy. Okay, now look, economy sucks. We all get it. We can't be the beautiful people and be up front with full beds lying down with the TVs and bringing your four-course meals. I understand. But we're in this together in economy. And I get you want to be comfortable, but not at my expense, okay? <laughs> and when you put your chair back in economy where there's like three inches between us, guess what's happening? There's a thing called physics. And when you put that chair back, it's going in my face and in my gut. Now, yeah, I'm a little overweight. But that's not the reason why it's going in my gut. It's because these seats aren't made for human beings. So show some respect for the love of God. Just stay up in your chair. Sleep that way, okay? Just be have some respect for the people around you. And here's the other thing. When you do that, we have these things called trays on the back of your seats that when food's coming around or God forbid we want to eat something, we're doing it at like a 90 degree angle. It's not cool. 
So show some respect for your fellow people and put that thing up. All right, when I do it, I I will recline. I mean, I'm I'm six foot three, of course. You know, yeah. uh, I'm a mountain of a man, Ed. And um, <laughs> and when I recline, I just do it extremely slowly, like to kind of cue the. Is that acceptable That's under your acceptable. under your rules? Yeah. Now, what would you do if the person pushed back and said, "Would you mind not going any further?" Uh, I'd probably be a, a wuss about it and say, "Okay." All right, you good, know, yeah, yeah, good, yeah, yeah. good, exactly. Because you're that guy? Yes, I'm that <laughs> asshole. I'm that guy. But again, you're like twice the size of me, so you could be like Hulk smash, and then that problem would be over. <laughs> but at the end of the day, yes. Uh, so again, slowly, respectfully. That's okay. okay. Good. All right, number two. The person waiting for the bathroom with their ass in your face. Okay, again. <laughs> we're in, Yes. We're in this space together. We've got to work as a team. Now, there are these spaces near bathrooms where you don't have your ass literally in my face. If you've ever had the unfortunate situation of being seated near one of the bathroom areas, people start to get up and queue. And they can't help but either have their crotch or their ass in your face as they're sitting there, right? Now, in social existence in real life, would you ever do that? No. No rational human being would. But for some reason, this is okay to do, 30,000 feet in the air? Absolutely not, right? Okay? So the other thing is there is just find the area near the waiting area. And if there isn't, look forward. Don't go right or left. Because when you go right or left, now this is why, Dave, I don't. I used to do the mm-hmm. commuter rail all the time. Mm-hmm. I can't do it anymore. Not just because the the bodily functions and the and the tightness of everybody. Is there. it the specter of the middle seat? It's well, that's, yeah. that's hell. Part of it. Okay, but beyond that, it's the fact that I usually have a device in front of me, like any other human being. <laughs> right. If you're standing above me with your ass in my face or your crotch <laughs> in my face, waiting to get to the bathroom. The absolute cherry on top of the thing that makes me hate you even more is if on the commuter rail or on the train, you're reading over my shoulder, right? <laughs> you're reading what I'm doing. Yeah, what possesses people to do I that? I don't understand. It's amazing. Right? It's just like, please, my God. Like on the commuter rail, I literally went to some guy once. I lost my shit that day. I had a bad day. And I, the person was reading my, my, this article I was reading on my iPad. I turned to him and said, you done? Can I, can I switch to the next page? Right? And I hate you. Don't do that. Don't be those idiots. Okay, come on. Tom, common sense. All right. Wait, are you drawing the comparison to the person on the airplane that looks at your little TV screen? Because that's a cousin. No, no, no. That's a no. Cousin I'm talking about they're waiting in line for the bathroom oh, and they're we're looking. still on the butt, right? right. I'm yes, sorry. yeah. And they're looking down at whatever I'm doing, right? <laughs> just, just face forward like the soup Nazi, right? <laughs> if we do a Seinfeld episode again, yeah. respect the rules of where we are. Put yeah. your order in, move to the left. One step to the left, right? yes. Exactly. With the same exactly. time everywhere. Exactly. Okay, and last but not least, my number one reason why people suck when flying is taking 10,000 years to get off the damn plane. <laughs> All right, let me put you, let me paint the scene for you. Mm-hmm. We've been on a plane for four hours in economy. Times are tight. People have been farting their brains out, right? <laughs> putting, their, putting their ass in your face, reading over your shoulders, mm-hmm. putting their chair back all the time so your knees are in your face. Okay, all this horrible stuff. We all want to get off the plane. But we also realize that we've got you morons in front of us 
taking a thousand years to get your bag, to pick up your stuff, to put your headphones back in your thing, and debark the plane. Go ahead. Disembark. Disembark. <laughs> debark. I don't even know what debark is. <laughs> it's the it's at the House of Barks. That's after the sea bark. You get the debark. No, um, no, Ed, I'm preach on, brother. I like this one. Yeah. So so again. What should be a 10-minute process if we work together as a team and add actual functioning brains in our heads Mm -hmm. would get off the plane. You've already known. You've landed. You start putting your stuff together. You get ready. You know where your overhead bag is. You have your thing underneath in your hands ready to go. But instead, you're sitting there chatting with your new buddy in the seat that you made on there who wouldn't shut up the whole time. They're taking 100 years to get their stuff together. The person who's sitting five rows ahead of you has their bag seven rows behind where you are, and it's taking a half hour to get off the plane. And that's why the line doesn't move. And when you stand up and everyone's standing because everyone's legs are sore and whatnot – And it's always one of these things is why isn't the line moving? It's like when you're sitting in traffic. If the person at the front of this freaking thing would put their foot on the gas and be a little bit more aggressive than they're being, we wouldn't have this problem. Yes, but that would require some sort of intelligence. (laughs) And what happens in the middle of a flight is people lose this. We we go to base human instinct and lose all levels of intelligence or ability to use tools, whatever it is. We lose our minds. So there you have it. I'm all fired up now and my Ed's getting upset segment talking about things that piss me off when people fly. All right. There we go. Yes, the the people, my people, cheer. Yes, yes. Leave one wolf alive. (laughs) I'm quoting Game of Thrones there. No sheep are safe. Okay, so. Yes, exactly. And you know nothing if you do these things flying. Okay. I hope you'd enjoyed this broadcast, my very first of Are You Not Entertained? It's been a blast. I want to thank my man, Dave Yaz, Zoo, producer extraordinaire. If you want to learn more about me, at Ed Nathanson on Twitter, Ed underscore Nathanson on Instagram, Ed Nathanson on LinkedIn. My website is redpilltalent.com where I do talk a lot of business, but I also share movies, music, pop culture, rants, whatever you want. Until next time, my friends, I ask you, are you not entertained? (laughs) That's my nerd goosebumps sound.